Okay, we should be. We should be live on YouTube right now. So welcome back to the Apprentice One to One podcast. It's me, Mark, and we're trying something new again outside of the old webinar platform. And we've brought this to the YouTube channel. I am joined again this evening by Richard and David. First up, how are you, Richard? Very well, thank you, Mark. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've been down to the um, old ECA event today. I think you guys took that in um, the other weeks. I've been in Leeds with um, the the crew from the ECA. So watching Darren in his flamboyant jackets running through <laughs> the net zero presentation. It's the, I call yeah. him the pink snail now after his um, little att- attempt at the old uh, eFix challenge wall. Um, but, you know, I haven't done it, so I can't really say too much, can I? But I thought four minutes, I mean, that's a bit slow. That just goes just goes to show somebody that's been uh, not on the tools for too long. But uh, there you go. I can't knock him because I took longer when I did You're it. Joking. So, no uh, way. You must have had lead boots on, but yeah, all, all good. Right, yeah. But yeah, no, that was that was good. I had a nice day over at the ECA. So, how are you about you, David? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Mark. Yeah, looking forward to getting through this. To be honest, um, I, I've, I, I'm quite I'm quite pleased with what I did <laughs> with this question. But we'll no see. pressure now. We'll, you put it all on yourself. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see what sort of reaction we we get from uh, the, the viewers and the people who have attempted it. It's not a particularly easy question, but uh, yeah, let's see how we get on. Yeah, I think we'll probably break it down into a couple of parts because, as you said, there's quite a lot involved there. We'll take our time with it. Most of the audience are going to be apprentices and trainees, so if you are a little bit more advanced, just bear with us and appreciate that there are other people in the audience taking this in. So we're going to approach this as we have done in the past, and are you going to share your screen, David? Is that how yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll share my screen um, and then I'll go through um, and hopefully clarify certain points as, as we progress. So, yeah. Let's dive into it. Okay, okay. So, I've obviously got this is the sort of answer sheet um, from the questions. Uh, do we want to have a look at the scenario again? Is a refresh? Yeah, run us yes, through the... Run through. Yeah, run through so this. So obviously the scenario was an existing PV system uh, on a farm and the client uh, wants to add another uh, 50 kilowatt three-phase solar PV system in the same field. So agricultural installation, so things that we've got to consider there. And... We've got two new circuits to be installed. Similarly, uh, on the array, uh, a ground mount array, as we can see in the image. So a mirror image of what, what we've got, fed from an existing DB. So that was a key a key point from last time. And is this like a, a real-life scenario, Dave? Is this something you'd come across generally on site? Is this something... Yeah, this is this is one of my jobs from sort of like twenty over between twenty twelve and twenty seventeen. So, yeah, I've tried to keep it as real as possible and as up to date as possible. And so, those are those steps? Uh, not mine, the gaffers back back in electrical <laughs> services. <laughs> so yeah, um, something that's up up to date. Um, one of the things we covered that the earth arrangement was TT. So I don't think any of the questions have been on a TT earthing arrangement uh, that you've had so far on Apprentice One to One, although yeah. some excellent questions posed by the guys. Three phase uh, supply 
we've got a rod resistance of 33 ohms. There's not a error there. That's what it is. We've got some spare capacity in the existing board. We've got an existing um, volt drop that's been stated, which is very important to hopefully you've taken that into account. We're using a four-core armoured thermosetting. I'll give you a data sheet, which is going to be really useful to you, as I mentioned last time. And this one, we're using the steel wire armour as the, as the CPC. So we haven't got an integral earth. We've got the armouring as the earth. So there's something that we've got to do differently when we calculate our R1, R2 as well. So something a little bit different to what you've already had. We were running the cable underneath the array on a tensioned catenary wire and that's a steel wire rope that's fed from one end of the array to the other tensioned up cable tie the uh, armored to it similar to the dc cables you can see in the images and it just saved labor costs and the environmental impact of digging trenches so something that's that's uh, a straightforward method to use we're installing two new inverters. One's a little bit bigger than the other in power ratings. And one's just a little bit further away. And it is quite a long run. Um, but we've got an existing system already in place. And we're going sort of bolting on the end of it. So imagine uh, a row of panels, two rows of panels. We're going on the end. So a like for like. Hence why it's quite a long run. It, effectively, it'd be a little bit longer than that, actually. Okay, then we get to the questions. So what I'll probably do is what I noticed, and I'm sure you lot have noticed we've had a go. We've got question one, A and B, and then we've got question two, D, E and F. So, And then we've got VI, v, VII. And that's ultimately my fault because it's copy and paste error. I'm trying to do this on top of um, my my day job. I'm doing it in my own time, so there's going to be a few errors here or there. So don't be don't be too harsh. Don't don't pick on me. <laughs> I'm sure the audience will understand. There's a few people in the chat tonight. We've got um, Sean Dempsey and Sam, who hosts the podcast that is the number one for electricians podcast, as he often reminds me. Is that um, the one where the they moan about AFDDs, or is that a different one? That's yeah. He had David Savory on this week talking about the <laughs> AFDDs. So there's the whole debate around those. But he has he has said quite openly he doesn't understand earthing arrangements, and I think there might be a few apprentices of the same yeah, yeah, uh, understanding yeah. of that. It's not something that is straightforward. Certainly, yeah. when you get to the world of solar PV systems, I had a question actually come through um, from a solar installer, installer um, wondering about taking TNCS earthing arrangements out onto large arrays in fields so we've had some discussions off the back of your posed question actually david there was an installer raised that issue so there is um yeah. aspects of earthing that are really important in general but definitely around solar pv yeah we've we've had that in in industry as well on the solar farms where it has been tncs at the origin and we've had to sort of uh separate it out at the array there's certain certain ways around that but that's uh that's a discussion for, for another time. But yeah, I totally get and I appreciate uh, the nuances with earthing arrangements. But I mean, really, we, there, there's the big three, TNCS, TNS and TT. TNCS is not not very common anymore. 
TNCS is probably the most common and TT, um, you know, you, you find generally uh, agricultural installations, um, overhead installations that fed from overhead lines, etc. It's making a comeback, the old TT now, with us all moving yeah, to prosumerism. Do, do you know, um, I'm actually on a TT. Uh, I'm not in a, I'm not on a farm. I'm in a row terraces. And uh, he, he, I'm glad I'm on the TT because at least I know I can manage my own my own earthing system, my own earthing arrangement. I haven't got to worry about uh, certain things like divert neutral currents. But there we go. So I mean, the underlying principle: if you've got a TT, generally you're going to have a bigger resistance back yeah. through that to the main supply transformers uh, terminal. So you're going to see higher numbers than you would with either a TNCS or a TNS. But as David said, it is um, intrinsically safer these days, I would argue. Yeah, we've got protective devices in place that will sort of caveat the increased um, impedance levels. So, real. Um, yeah, so what I'm going to do then, I'll, I'll probably go between this and the sort of answer sheet, if everyone's did, happy with that. Did you Absolutely, provide- mate. Yeah, did you provide some some data sheets or a data sheet for the inverters as well, Dave? Yeah, so all on that handy link. That's it. Yeah. All there. Yeah, good. Little little link there. So there's some there was some certain information there, but there might have been some more information we needed to obtain by the manufacturer. So we're not going to give you everything. We're not going to spoon feed you everything. You you you're going to have to use a bit of incentive and do a bit of searching. So it'll all become apparent. This will, <laughs> this will. I'll, I'll say no more. Okay. So, question one: We're going to determine design current. So, some of you um, would have done the three-phase design current before on the compressor question. And to be honest, when you look at the formula itself, yeah, there's a lot going on. However, these two things at the bottom, square root of three and VL, which is line voltage, should pretty much always be the same. Right. So square root of three is 1.732. Then your line voltage is always 400 volts on a three phase. That's what we base it on. We know if you're on site and you measured it, it might be close to 415. But when we're doing calculations, we always base everything three phase on 400 volts. And it's the same with single phase. We base everything on 230 volts. When you're on site, you're most likely to get around, you know, 240, 245, okay? Don't tell the EU that. It's all 400 and 230 right. in the UK. Yeah, of course it's it lies. is. Of course <laughs> it is. So the formula itself isn't too dissimilar to single phase, okay? We've got a power rating at the top in watts, and we've just got a couple of values across the bottom. Now, this... This uh, item here, cost phi, that is a power factor rating. So if you've got an inductive load, such as a motor, um, on the data plate, there will be a power factor rating. And basically, that is to do with the, it's almost the efficiency of, of, the, of the motor as such. So if you've got, we're aiming for one. Yeah, power factor is measured between zero and one. And we're after as close to one as we can get it. The closer to one it is, the less wasted power that item of equipment will use. So if I had something that was power factor of 0.95, that would be much more efficient 
and, and less energy wastage in comparison to one that had a power factor of 0.8. So I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but it's just to try and sort of explain this. So what you might find if you're working on a, on a someone's bought a cheap motor, the power factor will be, you know, around 0 0.8, 0 0.85. Someone's bought a really efficient motor, it might be around the 0.95, even 0.98 value. So, and it's all to do with power and uh, reactive power and, and wasted wasted power, basically. So if you've, if you've done power at college, uh, you've probably heard these terms before. Gone, Rich. And where would we have to find this information, Dave? Where would it, where would it be? So the information for power factor will be in manufacturer's data, so data okay. sheets. And ultimately, then the power factor is going to affect the efficiency of the equipment, but how does that then affect the you know cable selection? Does it increase the current or decrease the current? See, yeah, this is this is the issue. So power factor will end up in an increased current rating, so you're using right. more power. Yeah. So your cable selection will basically the cable that you were going to pick is probably going to increase. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's important that we need to consider it, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. On this particular example, you'll probably see underneath I've put the power factor as one. And I put in the box there, why no power factor? And there's a reason for that, but I want to sort of talk to you about that at the at the end of the question because in the manufacturer's data if i swap to that screen it does mention power factor ratings that some of you have, have probably picked up can you see that there guys yeah that's great. yeah so within this within the settings of these inverters and it doesn't have to be abb it can be any other manufacturer there are certain settings where you can adjust the level of power factor so it can be adjusted and it can be leading or lagging. So it's reactive power. So capacitance is, is leading and, and inductance is lagging. So, and it's all to do with the power in and power out, but there's, there's a reason why I've left it at one for now. Okay. So although it's there, some of you may have used the power factor value, but when we get towards the end, I'll, I'll tell you tell you why and then you might think well why well, can't i tell you now there's there's a, there's a reason for it because it it's sort of included in one of the later uh questions okay similar for craig there look he talks about harmonic distortion it's a shame he's not here we'll have him on that next time uh, <laughs> he loves a bit of harmonics he loves that mate he loves it <laughs> i'm more into pinch harmonics on, <laughs> on a guitar <laughs> okay so one power factor i've i've gone through that Okay, right. So IB, we know it's uh, 30 kilowatts, but let's just go back to the data sheet and say, well, why have I picked 30? So if we look at the inverter, Trio 27.6, it's a 27.6. However, if the, um, if the conditions are right, it could even reach 30,000 watts. So as a designer, I've got my design head on. I'm going worst case scenario with this because I don't want to undersize my cable because if it, if the conditions are right, i.e. the lighting levels, the temperature and everything else, the, the, the string design, 
it could it could reach thirty thousand watts. Okay, and that's so, important, isn't it? Because that's a conversation me and you had. Because obviously we ran through the calc, and um, I said, "Oh, I've sorted it out. I know my design current." And yeah. He was like, mm, "I don't know whether you've considered like the manufacturer's information correctly there, because on a on a really bright sunny day, you've got a potential of that inverter actually thirty kilowatt, thirty yeah, kilowatts." The, not, if the I missed, and I put my hands up, yeah, I missed that. So that's important, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I weren't going to give Rich the, you know, I weren't just going to. So he did find it, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's, you know, it's it's good, isn't it? You need to consider the manufacturer's information is really crucial, really important. Yeah. Um, the other thing to remember, and uh, a common mistake, and I keep talking about common mistakes every time you see me on Apprentice One to One, is typically people will write 30 kilowatts and they won't convert into watts. So what happens that's a bit I haven't done that deliberately what yeah. happens is some people would do 30 divide yeah. by 692.8 and you get completely the wrong answer so whenever you're doing power always think it's watts yeah it's always in watts so if it's 8 kilowatt 8000 watts so just think of a K you get paid 20k a year it's 20 20,000 so just do it that way yeah but don't don't miss it out you'll see i write everything out as well there should be an equal sign there so 1.732 times 400 times one because there's we're just saying power factors one for now it's 692.8 so 30,000 divided by that gives us a design current of 43.35 amps okay and that's the worst case, isn't it? As you've just outlined, yeah, the, invert, the inverter will overpeak, essentially. A lot of them come with that rating, don't they? The continuous load and then that peak, yeah. whereas you've said if the conditions allow and there is the demand, it'll bump it up for that. It could only be a matter of seconds, but even so, yeah. you need to account for it. Yeah, I, want, I would never risk it, and I'd always go for full full it. I would never think, oh, well, yeah, it's it, it's not going to be... You know, it might not see 30 kilowatts for that long or anything like that. No, worst case scenario every time. And let's say that this question was in maybe, you know, um, within one of our uh, designed question exams at college or even yeah. going as far as 2396. Let's say I come up with a design current of, I don't know, 86 amps because I'd, I'd input maybe a wrong um, figure in there. Would I still get any any marks for that? Yeah, could you'd... If if I was Mark, well, looking at the marking schemes that we yep. that we used to stick to, you'd get a mark for writing this formula down. Yeah. So I B. So hopefully, see, I've highlighted that. Yeah. So you get a mark for that. You get a mark for showing you're working out. Yeah. And you just lose a mark for getting the answer wrong. Yeah. So for example, if that was a three mark question, so yeah. normally you're showing the question. So determine design current in brackets, three marks. You would still achieve two marks out of the three yeah. for showing the formula and the working out. Yeah. And even if the answer's wrong, we have mentioned it before. Yeah, yeah. And even at 2396, even at level four, it, you're, you're still, still pick, numerous marks. Still you? pick up marks, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's always important, isn't it, to, to yeah. put your formula, put your values in your formula. And if it's yeah. 
if it's relating to a table within the regs or whatever, put the table, yeah. etc. You're going to pick up marks, aren't you? Exactly. It's a good yeah, point to raise because Lee Barbett's in the live chat and he's said um, he started off on the wrong foot. So as the guys have outlined, Lee, that's not always the end of the road. You know, you no. can still pick up marks and Absolutely. get yeah. your way through an exam, even if you've made a mistake somewhere Absolutely. in it. So yeah. write as yeah. much detail as possible, I guess, is what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. As much detail as possible. Even if you write the formula, it's a mark. Into, and it's yeah. like I was saying last time, the more information you put down might be the difference between a credit and a distinction or a credit and a pass or a pass and a fail. Yeah. So it's proving you understand the process, isn't it? And how you get how you get to that value. What's the process before that value as opposed yeah. to just writing down what it is? Well, how yeah. did you get to it? Is there an understanding there of how you got to it? That's what exactly. it's all about. Yeah. Um, one of Rich's questions that he likes to ask uh, in the other calcs is, can you apply diversity? So in some instances with certain circuits, you can. Um, in our case, we can't, because if you look in the on-site guide, as you would normally for diversity, PV, solar PV systems are not listed, and it'd be almost impossible to determine um, due to, you know, weather conditions. You know, we can't, we can predict the weather to a certain amount, but they, they still get it wrong, don't they? It's meant to be up this weekend, but we'll see. So diversity is it doesn't doesn't come into it because it's not something that we can predict with you know the amount of power and current, etc. So we, we we're not applying diversity. So hopefully that's uh, cleared that up. Right. Next thing is determine the rating type of overcurrent protected device. So our IN. So the IN needs to be greater than or equal to our design current. If it's not, the device will operate. So if I picked, we've got an IB of 43.35 amps. If I stuck it on a 40, when it does reach maximum output, it's going to operate the 40 perhaps, isn't it? So we need to be slightly bigger. Now, <coughs> Uh, one thing to consider, is there any possible inrush on startup? So in certain circumstances, you start the inverter. It, if the conditions are right, it may start to produce uh, energy at a certain amount and be pushing power back through. However, inrush current is more of a consideration to perhaps the sub-main um, Overcurrent protected, overcurrent protective device which feeds the TP and M board on the array because if we've got four inverters all switching on us, uh, you know, producing power at the same time. Imagine a, the sun goes behind a cloud, and then the cloud moves, and there's a sudden uh, increase in production on the array. Then we may need to consider inrush, but for the submain cable. Because it's just for an individual inverter, I'm not considering inrush current. So I'm going to select a type B circuit breaker in this and instance. if there was a possible inrush current, would the manufacturer kind of point us towards that within their technical information, Dave? Yeah, always, always. if you've picked up anything over the previous questions you've done, always refer to the manufacturer's information. So if it's not on the data sheet, download the technical manual for that particular 
um, piece of equipment and you may find some further information um, and it might even recommend certain types of devices. So never just sort of pick what you what you think as such. Always refer to the manufacturer's information or pr previous experience. It might be you've done a, a similar PV system before and it, and it was operating the bees, so you've decided to put C in. But in this instance, I'm going for a B. It doesn't matter if some of the people watching have picked a C. Ultimately, it's not really going to have much of a difference on this, which we'll come to uh, a little bit later on. So um, there's a table on page 68, BS7671, and on page 145 of the on-site guide. And we can see that they actually make a 45 amp MCB. So we could, if we wanted to, use a 45 because it's greater than 43.35. However, and it's a big however, can you remember what I said about last time uh, when I went through the question? And that was checking manufacturer's data from the inverter for recommended sizes or to check if the overcurrent protected device that you're going to select and the manufacturer of that overcurrent protected device is rated for that particular load for a continuous amount of time. So PV systems, unlike other circuits, if you if you imagine large circuits in your home, um, you might have electric chargers, EV chargers. Yeah, they're going to be using power for certain amounts of time, switching in and out, on and off. PV system might be producing a large amount of power and current output for a long duration of time. So can that protective device, or the terminals within it, maintain its integrity, having that much current and power pumping through? For, for for a long time basically and that was something i wanted you to consider last time so i've checked the manufacturer's data and their maximum rating for the 27.6 is 50 amps so they're saying well that's the that's the maximum we'd recommend and that's so, from abb isn't it that yeah that's if you go on the data sheet that, yeah. that i'll give you the link to um I've screen shared it because it saved me scrolling yeah. through. That's just the look. So maximum ACO overcurrent protective device. And obviously we've got the, the 20 kilowatt or the 27 and it's 50, 50 amps that they're sort of recommending on there. Yeah. So I've just snipped that in there. And this is just to show you uh, an image. Um, so this device, this is from a real job, a PV job. Um, it's got thermal damage, and then you can see that discoloration um, on one of the poles there. And it wasn't an issue with any; it wasn't anything to do with the manufacturer. So, I just want to make that totally clear. Going to was say it, that manufacturer without naming the name looks like one you'd associate with quality, one that's in a yeah. lot some of the bigger, yeah. more you know, commercial yeah. industrial type installations. And, and like I say, I just want to make it clear, it wasn't an issue with the manufacturer the device itself it was a selection error made by the, made by the designer yeah yeah, yeah. 
So um, it, this was on a different system and it was say 40 amps continually and we hadn't checked that the device was rated for 40 amps for continuous con continuous use just over 40 amps so we got some thermal damage so what we did is we replaced the uh, circuit breaker with a, with a larger one say a C45 or, or, or a C50 at that time so yeah the, this is why I was mentioning it to you last week so in hindsight, I'm now going to change my mind. I'm going to go for a B50. If you put B, B45, it's not the end of the world. There's no finite answer with these um, particular examples because every designer, yeah, every, every designer will use their experience and engineering judgment to come to a decision. So I've decided because of past experiences such as the image, I'm going to use a 50, okay? Doesn't mean you're incorrect if you've used a 45. I know in exam questions there's a finite answer, but I'm trying to highlight as we go through that not all um, cable count questions, well, not all design questions are all based around a calculation. There's yeah. other, other loads of other things you need to consider. So... Mm -hmm. Don't. When you get to a level four qual, whether it be sitting girls or the AAL version, it, it goes beyond just the calc, doesn't it? Because you've got to yeah. justify your design decisions, basically, by engineering yeah. judgment, like so. Yeah. Yeah. And, there's, you know, there's certain things that, um, you know, if you use any software, which is brilliant, you know, but there's certain things that that software won't pick up um lot special location special location considerations and things like that so yeah um so don't worry too much if you've if you've not got exactly the same as me and then the other parts as well i'll try and hopefully clear it up as we go through right then the next thing is determine the installation number and ref reference method so just a reminder it was a multi-core armor suspended in free air on a catenary wire so i've put a little image of what a catenary wire is so we've got some hook and eyes we've got a tension uh tensioner and it's, it's just a, literally a steel wire rope that's pulled really tight and your cable tie your cables to it really really useful installation method uh, quick and easy um, and effective so looking in the regs on page 435 the installation number is 35 but that's not the reference method the reference method is E or F so it's it is a recognised uh, installation method then isn't it because it's yeah. it's in the regs, so it is it is recognised. Yeah, it's it's not it's not like just some uh, budget uh, yeah. installation method. And as you, as you say, it does have its benefits, doesn't it? For sure. Yeah, yeah, it's really 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 useful. Um, sometimes you'll you'll have it between buildings yeah. uh, on farms as well, but it's just a, a bit thicker and it has to be certain heights um, if it's got vehicle access underneath. It's it, yeah. a vehicle access route and things like that. So. So it's a multi-core cable suspended from or incorporating a support wire. Yeah? Yeah. So cool. tension wire, one end to the other. Jobs are good and beautiful. 
So reference method ERF and its installation number 35, give yourself a, a pat on the back for that one. It, it, it's one that you've probably had a good, uh, <laughs> get my words out. <laughs> it's probably one that you've had to have a real good look for to find. Yeah. But sometimes use the, uh, use the images as a clue rather than trying to read all the text. It's, yeah, it's, it's one of the more useful tables in it within within seven six seven one. At least there are yeah. examples and images that try and help you along a little bit. So yeah, yeah, it's good that one. Uh, any any questions from you guys? Any questions from the the viewers? Not so far, mate. We've not I'm had not... anything come in since Lee had said he'd gone a bit wrong earlier. So I think, I think everyone's following along. Yeah, bit by bit, spot on. Yeah, lovely. Right, another uh, mistake. Rating factors. So temperature, CA, ambient temperature. When I was running through the question, I was going, I've set it at 20 degrees, so your rating factor is one. May get it mixed up. Your rating factor isn't one for 20 degrees, it's one for 30 degrees. So that's just me forgetting in, in the advancing years and, and rushing. So if you if you took it as gospel off the printed uh, question, it said twenty degrees. What you probably notice is when you've looked in uh, the big brown book, the regs, uh, twenty degrees isn't listed. It starts from twenty five. So um, what I've done is I've obtained a table. And I've put the link in the document. It's um, a Schneider-produced document. It's quite useful, actually. There's a lot on cable uh, cable calcs on there. So if you've used 20 degrees, the insulation is 90-degree thermosetting or XLPE, and we've got a value of 1.08. If you've took my word as gospel that the rating factor is 1, yeah, it's 1. So I've got two variants, but ultimately it has no effect to this the cable size selected. So I'm not too um, I'm not too worried about that. Okay. Well, Lee got that one. He said he noticed that and he's got it right. So that's good. Yeah, yeah good man, good man. Well done. So yeah, just that, that, and you know what? That's that's my mistake. No analysis. So you can you can work it out though, can't you? By that coefficient value in it of 0. 0.004 per. What? Yeah, that you can you can work it out underneath the table. Yeah, yeah. just doing like a direct. That's that's yeah, it's great. Tabulated comparison. Yeah, there. but so, ultimately, yeah. then if it's colder, going back to our science and principles days that we used to enjoy at college, uh, if it's colder, how does that affect the uh, the the impedance or resistance, and ultimately the current carrying capacity? Dave, does it help us if it's colder, or does it does it get worse if it's colder? No, well, what we're going to think is. If we if we look at resistance, what affects resistance? Things like heat. Yeah. If we get an increase in heat, we get an increase in resistance. Yeah. Then if we get an increase in resistance, it creates more heat and so on and so forth. And in certain circumstances, we can see an electrical fire as a result of too much resistance to too much heat. If we look at that, the flip side, if we've got a cooler temperature, that has actually a positive effect on the conductors so if it is installed in a cooler area 
that means the flow of electrons can actually pass through that conductor easier because there's less there's less resistance yeah so, so this is actually helping us a little bit but in reality as you say it, it's not 20 degrees but yeah and we'll see that when we look yeah. at the comparison because what i've done is i've done a calculation for the ambient temperature ca is one and I've done a calculation with 1.08, so we can actually see side by side. Difference, yeah. That'd be a good example, it, that. What yeah. it effect it has on the cable? Because it's, it's it all goes back to done it. You know, when you're doing your 103 unit, whatever unit number it is, depending on the qualification, uh, your 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 science and principles, your your basic understanding of generation and you know magnetism and all that stuff. Then if you understand the fundamentals. Yes. When we used to deliver it, or when you're doing it yourself, many many years ago, you think, "Well, science and principles. I don't need to know none of this." But actually, you do. Uh, it's yeah, you do. It, what what you'll find, and and what I found is, you do you you you're going through your apprenticeship, you're doing a few of the units, but then as you as you're going through and you're getting towards the end, everything starts to pull together. And the stuff that you've done in principles that you thought was a bit of a waste of time actually links right. back to this. Yeah. And it links back to when you're doing your inspection and testing yeah. and your verification of results. So everything's everything's fragmented to begin with, especially when you're in year one, year two, in your early days. And then as you're getting towards the end, everything starts to pull together and yeah. all of a sudden everything makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So don't lose okay. the faith. Any learners out there? No, no, no. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep going. Keep going, yeah. it, it, there, there will be times that where it will be hard and you'll find it difficult but just keep chipping away and you'll you'll get there okay <clears throat> the uh author rating factor is grouping now some of you may have missed this we've got a catenary wire we've got a circuit for our inverter that we're cable sizing and there's also the other inverter so it's two circuits in total i didn't miss this <laughs> two circuits in total okay. so we're looking at table 4c1 in the regulations on page 433 and it's item one it's bunched in the air so those two cables are together they're bunched on a catenary wire with cable ties around it yeah the number of circuits there's two there's inverter three and inverter four that's it so no, nothing too taxing. And have a look. There's even um, reference methods linked to it, A to F. And we were E or F, weren't we? So in, in some ways, you can check this and, and make sure you're on you're on the right track as well. Because there's, there's four items in that table altogether, isn't there? So we've got to make sure we use the right part of the table. That's the difficulty, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I've not included the rest of the table yeah. just for clarity. Yeah, yeah. So there are other items on there, but like Richard said, you need to look at what what's happening, what's happening with this circuit. Try and picture it, yeah. And you know, think well, this is how it's installed, and and that's the that's what relates to it's bunched in the air. Okay. So we've got a CG grouping rating factor of 0.8 that we've got to take into account, and there's no other rating factors to consider because. You've had a lot of rating factors in previous questions, and I wanted the focus to be on something else. So there's no CI, no CF, no CC, no CG. So try and make things a bit more straightforward. Okay. Right, we've now got to determine the size of the cable. So 
I've got the two differences here. We've got CA is one in the first example, and the grouping of 0.8 gives us a value 54.18. So that grouping factor, because it's there with another cable, it's going to be more difficult to get rid of the heat. So the heat dissipation by the cable is going to be more difficult than it would if it was on its own. So the cable now needs to carry, instead of 43.35, now going to have to carry 54.18. So that's nearly another, another 10 amps, isn't it? Yeah, because it's with another cable. Right. So as we're passing voltage current through the cable, yeah. it's going to generate heat as a byproduct. And there's because we've got the other cable with it, it's going to struggle to get, get rid of that heat. So it's going to have a detrimental and negative effect on it. If we based the 20 degree value for CA, look what's happened to the current. Because we're at a cooler temperature, we're at 20 degrees, the cable only needs to have a maximum um current rate in a 50.17 so that cooler temperature has a positive effect on the cable we can see it there in black and white well in red and white <laughs> yeah yeah it's good yeah yeah, yeah. makes it makes so, it's not an so, inconsiderable number for amps yeah, either what are we no, looking at is, getting on yeah. towards 10 percent aren't we yeah yeah so if you think that 10 degrees difference so either way if you've gone with one because that's what i said it'd be in the video or if you've gone with 20 because that's what it said in the question sheet. What you'll find is doesn't make any difference to what cable size we select in this instance. So cable needs to carry at least 54.1 amps. I'm getting worst case scenario. Yeah. Question, why is IB and not IN being used in the formula above? So you'll notice when we do a standard cable calc, we'll do IN over the rating factors and the answer is solar pv inverters are not subject to overload so similar to richard's uh, ev car charging question that ev car charging point cannot be overloaded that ev car charging point was whatever it says on the tin it's not going to suddenly start pulling more no but the if, same we're, with if, the, if we had a line of i don't know 60309-3, whatever it is, commando type sockets, then you you can't say because they it could be overloaded, couldn't it? That type of circuit. So you'd have to consider yeah, sockets. Are, yeah. Sockets, we can't govern what's plugged in. But if we've got a fixed load, such as a shower, a cooker, yeah. um, even some you know, certain items of equipment, pizzas, anything like that. Where we know it, it can't physically, it's not going to suddenly start using more than what it says on the on the right, tin so yeah. um they're not subject to overload and also some systems you may have more panels um for the the pv system so the inverter works in lower it performs better in lower lighting levels however the inverters have got built-in protection so it, it'll never exceed the maximum output power of the inverter so the certain settings and it's called it'll basically clip uh, it's called clipping and it'll clip the amount of power it's coming through so it, it should never exceed its maximum ac output rating of the inverter so in so, our case 30 kilowatts that's it bosh okay i found the 
So that makes me me thinks you're you're me. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it, we've got to we've got to determine what is the maximum output power of the inverter, and it shouldn't exceed. It, it won't exceed it basically. So that's why we've not used iron. We're going to yeah. end up with a different figure if we use iron. Yeah, makes sense. So it's just to clear that up. Why have we used IB? And that's why. We only use um, IN if we, we need overload protection. Okay, so <clears throat> question three, we're going to use, we're picking our cable now at this point. We're going to use table 4D4A from page 454. And we can see a 10 mil cable is selected. It's got an IT, it's a tabulated value of 62 amps. So a 10 mil SWA in free air, reference method E, it's three phase. The, another common uh, issue is people get the wrong column number. So it's column five. And we can see a 10 mil will take 62. So whether we used the uh, 50 amps, 50.17 or the 54.18, ultimately our cable size selected is going to be the same. So aren't we using 90 degree thermo setting Dave? You've got the wrong table there, haven't you? And again, if you guys remember from our tips from the last couple of design questions, we can only use a 90 degree uh, multi-core armoured table if we can ascertain, if we can determine if everything connected to it at every point, the isolator, the MCB, the inverter itself, if that is right, if that is rated at 90 degrees we can use that table if we can't determine that data we've got to use this table and it's such a common uh issue and so, there's a little note isn't there at the side of that 4d4 yeah. yeah it tells us doesn't it that no no one yeah everything connected to that cable that you're yeah. designing has to be rated at 90 degrees it cannot be determined. You've got to use seventy degree um, table. You think that you think that that copper conductor can get up to ninety degrees? That's norm. That's near enough to boil you. you can't even hold that. That's that hot, isn't it? Yeah. a cup of tea. So Super, yeah. it's very very hot. Yeah. So obviously this, if this um, ten mil cable selected did reach sixty two degrees, sixty two amps, it's going to be in the region of. 70 degrees, 60 degrees. There yeah. is another formula to that, yeah. but that's, uh, that's another day. So, yeah, even if you've got the CA rating different from what I've said, you've still got to end up with, with uh, 10 mil. And obviously your IT and your IZ are linked. Your IZ is, is less than um, 62. So we, we're fine. We don't want to undersize the cake. We don't want to go with a 6 mil and it carry 45 because in certain certain instances is going to reach a higher value and ultimately the cable's not going to be able to carry it. All right so far? Yeah, all good, mate. So let's say we chose six um, mil then. Let's say we had a you know an 85 metre drum left in the old um in the garage or whatever and we ran six mil in we thought oh we'll just put a bit of six mil we've got a bit left. Potentially then what would happen to it over time or what could happen to it over time? So over, over time, that cable is going to degrade and it will start to affect the insulation 
around the conductors and, and if it's inside the, fire, yeah. So within the XLPE. And yeah. if I was the designer and I signed the design part of the declaration on the uh, electrical insulation certificate and a court of law, would I have a leg to stand on then? If it, you know, let's say we went worst case and it sat on fire, etc. Of course you wouldn't. No. Eh? That's why that's why I, I, I keep saying I'll I'll go worst case scenario because yeah. you wanna you wanna design it, you wanna do you don't wanna be scrimping and, and trying to cut corners. Do do it properly if you're gonna do it, or don't yeah. do it at all. That'd be but no, that uh, makes sense. Just you know, in case people are wondering, well, who would know if I just ran a bit of yeah, sensible, you know. I think I think what we've got to remind ourselves is that we're working on something that is potentially lethal. Mm-hmm. Um putting um you know, it's not putting a picture on the wall, wonky, that just looks a bit rubbish. We're working with electricity yeah. and it can cause fires. Yeah. shocks and burns and so death ultimately possibly what, what why not do it by the book why not do it properly yeah. and be able to go home at night after you've been at work and not have to worry about stuff rather than cutting corners and, in, and in this special installational location we haven't just got to consider human beings have we because there might be cattle or yeah. you know persons absolutely. property livestock yeah. that's what we've got to think yeah. of Fire, shock, and burns. Person's property, livestock. Yeah. So it's not it's not just about stopping people from getting a shock. It's stopping, yeah. you know, places burning, burning down, burning yeah. down, yeah. losing your property, animals, um, animals livestock. Animals, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then those three things every time: person's property, livestock. That's the whole point of BS seven six seven one. Yeah. There is a fine well, line, isn't there? Between just about sitting a two-hour exam and getting sixty percent. <laughs> there is a fine line isn't there between good engineering to try yes. and get good value for your client but it's that value equation over the long term as well not just the short term initial cost you could get something that just meets all of the regs but you've got a system that's working to its full capacity if you like yeah. over and over having a bit of capacity in a system by going up a cable size is sometimes yeah. a good move you will get better longevity from doing that so it's a a view over maybe a decade, two decades, rather than just that initial outlay. Yeah, and it, and ultimately you can't put a price on life either, no. can you? So no, no. I'd rather go a cable size bigger or things yeah. cost a bit more than risk it. So, you know. And, and from still running the business, Mark, let's say you had this kind of scenario, and let's say you were close in terms of your 6 mil or your 10 mil, and let's say you had a drum of, I don't know, you know, ninety meters of six mil left in your in your your shed or in your in your your unit, etc. Is that something you consider? Would it mean that I don't know A and B electrical down the road might win that job compared to yourself in terms of a difference in cost on the cable? Is that something you come across still out on site? You know, it definitely is not to the point where it's kind of in breach of the design because what we're looking at here would be. But if it was yeah. just borderline, so we're going to say it's just in. Yeah. and you want to go up, up that size so you're engineering beyond what would meet it, that's where you can have that buff together and it's explaining to the client that, yeah, we, we could use this, it would satisfy the regs, but you're probably going to get a bit better service life out of the system as a whole yeah. having this initial extra cost. As long as you can justify it and explain that, most clients will go on that journey and you can you can make the offer both ways then can't you as well yeah. as long as what you're doing satisfies the intent of the regs and it's safe it's you can sign that yeah. design declaration but yeah. i make those decisions often where we will have that we could get away with a six mil I'm saying getting yeah. away it would satisfy the regs but 
we'll put a 10 in. You don't know in the future. There may be some inverters that slightly change their output rating or if we're talking about a shower circuit or an EV yeah. charge point, things might change and there's a bit of flexibility in there as well. Yeah. So you get that value over time. But yeah, it's it's a tricky one. That is like at a commercial level, it is difficult. That's what I'm saying because, you know, people might not see it from your point of view where you're still, you know, you're still quoting jobs, you're estimating jobs and it could be the difference between winning a job or not winning a job, couldn't it? I suppose. So you've got to consider, you know, I've, I've sat in your shoes and Dave has when we had our own companies, you know, many years ago, a few years ago. And it's difficult, isn't it? Uh, you know, but ultimately, as we've said many times, you know, the reg 7671 is the kind of minimum standard, isn't it? That, that we want to be yeah. using, but ultimately be using our engineering judgment. And if we can explain that, get that across to the customer, your reasoning behind it, nine times out of 10, I'd like to think, that go with that engineering judgment because ultimately they're paying for your knowledge, experience, et cetera, you know, to do that job anyway, designing it, installing it and verifying it. So it's, it's an important uh, thing to think about, isn't it? Okay, okay. There is. Right then, I think this might be the last question that we get time to cover unless you tell me any different. Yeah, one. we're about an hour in to be fair, mate. So I think that would make a good cut-off point. Yeah, so question four was, all on volt drop. So we need to calculate our volt drop now. So your volt drop formula, similar to your three-phase power formula, three-phase design current, don't be put off by it because it's got lots in the formula and think, well, I don't do maths. MVAM is one value at the table. IB, you've already worked out, and the length was given typically in the in the question sometimes it might be on a drawing on a scale drawing and you've got to measure it okay so we've got two things we already know length and design current and mvam is just a tabulated value and we divide it by a thousand to convert into volts so don't be put off by the formula we're going to use table 4d 4b so each uh, um table for Volt drop is beneath the table that you've just used to select your cable size. We can see a 10 mil uh, cable on page 455 on column four. We're looking at three or four core cable, three phase. The MVAM value is 3.8. So that's all we need. We know the length, we know the IB already. So we're going to go into the volt drop calculation. 3.8 times 43.35, which is your design current, times your length, which is 83, gives us a volt drop of 13.67 volts, which is, you know, you might think, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit high. We've also got the volt drop of 6 volts at the existing PV, DB1. And what we do, that's an accumulative volt drop. So we've got volt drop from the origin to the PV, DB. And then we've got from the PVDB to the inverter. Now, volt drop has to be considered from the origin all the way through to the extremity of your circuit. Hence why we've added both values together. So you end up with 19.67 volts. So what are we comparing that to? Max volt, volt drop for power is 5%. It's 5% of 400 volts because it's three phase. Gives us 20 volts. We're teetering on the edge of 20 volts here. Okay. It is less than 20 volts and it is acceptable. 
But as designers, we need to make a decision at this stage. Would we be happy that it's on the brink? Are you happy that it might only see that in, in the perfect conditions when the inverter's running at full hilt? So you've got to make a decision here. Are we gonna are we gonna get down the route of going up a size on the cable, go up to 16 mil, or are we gonna stick with a 10? So it is acceptable. However, I want you to have a think about that in between now and next time. So the voltage between the origin and any load point should not be greater than the values in the table, so 5%. So if we were doing single phase, it'd be 5% of 230. We've got a three-phase installation, three-phase circuit, so it's 5% of 400, which is 20. So and what we're saying is 10 mil would do it because you'd be well within or just about within the maximum allowed. Yeah. But... And again, you know, it's a good question for Mark as well. Owning owning your own business, et cetera, et cetera. Or would you go 16? And I did a little bit of an experiment today, didn't I? Yeah. So I, I got a quotation on uh, 83 metres or 85 metres of 10 mil. And that comes to £522.90. I mean, Mark might get it cheap because he's got friends in high places. But if you compare that to the same length in 16 mil, it's it's 760 quid more or less so you've got a difference roughly of about 236 quid the difference between putting 10 mil in and 16 mil you've also got to consider that it's slightly bigger so it might be slightly more difficult to terminate you're going to need slightly bigger lugs glands etc but if you think about it there's about 250 300 quid difference between yeah. 10 mil and 16 mil so is that a consideration but as yeah. well quite rightly said if you explain the other benefits to it, and there might be other reasons which we'll explore next week why well, you might need 16 mil. You know, it's it's one of those decisions that you'd have to justify with yeah. your engineering judgment, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, I'm going to stop the questions there. Yeah. I'm just going to say one thing. If anyone's got through to the latter questions, there was considerations that you needed to make. Uh, one, because of it being on an agricultural uh, site and two because of it being a PV system so I'm just going to leave you with this and this is my, <laughs> my drop moment now oh, <laughs> coming. There it comes. You, you, you may have spotted this you may have done something which doesn't affect um, doesn't affect the result but I'm just going to for some of you it might ruin your Thursday please take a look on page 294 of the regulations and have a look at regulation 712.433.104. So just to repeat, page 294, regulation number 712.433.104. And, and don't uh, hate me. <laughs> but should, I'm sure Mark will put that regulation number in there. I will. I will. Yeah. I'll drop it into the description alongside this so yeah. people can go off and and reference mm, I'm probably it. going to upset Mark as well looking at that regulation there, there's a reason yeah there's a reason why I've done it like that and it's mm. because we don't be fixated on design is cable calcs look at the bigger picture and we've got we need to think about these special locations so what you might find no actually I ain't going to say 
I ain't going to say, but just that's check right, that. that's, it. that's it. Have a look at that. Get so, that regulation out, but don't don't hate me for it. So, and that's it. If there is any questions anyone's got at the minute, yeah. drop them into the live chat and we'll try and answer them before we close this one up. Just to come back to your point about this, yeah. Richard, I, I'd yeah. say my my view would be we're not just thinking about vault drop in terms of our own installation, but in syncing things together as well and the reliability of that over the long term. So there's more considerations perhaps than just how we would normally be approaching it. But I'm not going to say any more because we're going no. to come back to that next But what next I'm trying week. to say is would, you know, the 200... 50 quid let's say you know there's a difference between 16 mil and 10 mil in terms of buying the cable you know so is the 250 pound is it something you'd think oh yeah oh can't you know i'm gonna put 10 mil in all day long or because of other reasons which we'll explore over the next couple of weeks etc is it is it a no-brainer anyway just to put the 16 mil in because it's not a massive difference is it and in terms of no. terminating 16 mil compared to 10 mil Price your logs, glands, it ain't, it ain't a massive, yeah. it's not a huge difference. So, just, just to yeah. add to that, depending yeah. on where you go, here, we've got splitting the road. Depending right. on where you go with this vault drop decision, yeah, you, you might make the right decision, you might make the wrong decision. So, if you've not quite got that far yet, check that regulation out, and you also need to go back and have a look at perhaps another data sheet to determine something so i know it's a bit vague but no no but again we've tried to emphasize haven't we over the last few podcasts that manufacturers instructions and data although albeit sometimes they're not that clear but it's it's crucial and if you don't get the information you need from the data sheet you need to contact the manufacturer don't you the technical part to get what you need because you're the designer The, the manufacturer won't take responsibility let's say that we you know we we size the wrong size cable it sets on fire etc can we then go to ABB and say it's your fault because you didn't give us the yeah. right information? Has it, has it been installed to our, mm. our data and instructions? And if exactly. the answer is no, yeah. yeah. I mean, do you spend a lot of your time, Mark, um, looking at manufacturers' information, data, etc.? Too much of my life at the minute because it all yeah. seems to change that quickly. Yeah. Um, even with the same products having revisions in the firmware and impact how they perform. Um, just thinking of the Give Energy equipment where they're starting to parallel up some of their all-in-one devices now and we've got extra considerations about maximum export, for example. Yeah. So there's there's factors that change after install as well. So you've got these things, well, what could happen? That's kind of what I was alluding to earlier on in yes. this discussion. Yeah, yeah. That, to, to allow for you know, that. It, it's all right in the here yes. and now that everything's probably just going to about be okay, but there could be a tweak somewhere that can be made to the system to allow it to perform better and over the lifetime of the equipment, it maybe pays to go... A little bit a little bit bigger it, so there are some that's a commercial consideration isn't yeah. it around our electrical design yeah, and it all forms part of the overall view yeah as a designer and it's is the just... regs all about the here and now and you know what's always frustrated me about the regs is that it references over a thousand other standards and some of those standards are very very expensive but you're not just designing to 7671 you've got to consider other standards but also manufacturer's instructions but also you know ena documents you know engineering recommendations like g99 etc etc so it, it you know it's it's painful enough trying to get your head around 7671 <laughs> then you've got to consider your other bsen british standard numbers or ic standards but also you know, when you start looking on the ena website and considering their 
recommendations. There's a lot you've got to, you know, when people just think, oh, that Mark Allison, he just sits at home. He don't work on the tools now. He does one or two fancy videos, buys all the nice tools, but he don't do nothing. He's sat on his ass doing nothing in the office. But actually, as you quite rightly say, you know, it's being a designer is more than just using the steps to get in the right size cable and everything that we've looked at yeah. in the last few weeks. There's a lot to it, isn't there? Yeah, there really, there really is. Yeah, just to just to add to that as well. If if anyone struggled with this and found it difficult, just don't worry because this is this is a toughie. I'd I'd say this is more like a a level four question. So and it's like I said before, it's just it's not knowing my my audience as such. You know, we've got different levels of experience and skill, but just keep just keep giving it a go. And if you if you fell down or hit a hurdle somewhere just just have another go at it yeah. you know we, we, we're going to be revisiting it but yeah. you've definitely got to check that regulation out because we've, yeah. we're we going to have a good we might go down the wrong route after this question if we make the wrong decision at this point with the vault drop so but that's experience yeah. isn't it because then you'll think oh i need yeah. I, you know, we didn't consider that last time i need to consider this and you know we all yeah. delve into parts of the book we've never dealt in before and i've never really dealt myself within solar PV, and we've had numerous conversations over the last week or so, haven't we, where yeah. I haven't considered certain things, and I'm big enough to hold my hands up and say, oh, I didn't even think of that, Dave. And when you've explained why and the reasoning behind why you need to consider it, I won't make that mistake next time. So don't be afraid yeah. to, to yeah, think, I've, I've talked that up. It doesn't matter. Well, it's all don't, about making mistakes. Absolutely. So you, so you learn. Absolutely. Most most people seem to be listening to these on the on the podcast and kind of, to in and throwing with it i've had a few messages with people over on instagram twitter and linkedin around these podcasts you guys are putting together and lee's just dropped a comment in on the live chat thanking you for taking the time to do these and he's made some mistakes but he's happy to learn Absolutely. where and why and improve on them that. so people people are appreciative of that sean dempsey's asked a question around the earthing arrangements for solar pv so he's asking if solar has to be on a tt earth rod and in essence no, it doesn't. It can go on to different earthing systems. But in this particular application, we are utilizing a TT because you wouldn't really want to take a TNCS out into the no. middle of a, a field no. with a massive earth at play. And it's, it's one of the considerations in one of the latter questions as well. You know, it's a, it's a consideration because of the environment in which this installation is. It's, it's on a farm, there's livestock present. And I have a look in the section in part seven for agriculture and horticultural and you might find um some information in there yeah and the other thing yeah. is again me and dave were talking about it today you generally consider the main parts of seven six seven one won't you parts one to five and then of course six but seven is its own world of pain with you know the 20 individual special installations and locations but if you're working with within one of those areas then you need to consider those additional requirements within parts that section off, parts one to six yeah absolutely and if you haven't then you've 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 missed a fundamental part of the book because those are there because of the increased risk of electric shock because of whatever reason yeah. so and they are difficult to get your head around i haven't worked on some of those um, special installations or locations within part seven i haven't so it's difficult to to envisage what it is they're talking about but hopefully this, like the EV charging one, this is another example of something I haven't worked or worked on PV, you know, in our agricultural uh, installations, Dave has. So yeah, that's, a, that's the only reason I picked it. Make yeah, it easier for me. 
yes yeah, well, something i've done yeah you know, it's, it's really interesting it's good don't know everything no one knows everything no, no one does man every day is a school day isn't it? Yeah. i'm enjoying it it's very it's very great. interesting to hear you yeah. guys set these examples out and just to say to those following along we will come back to this finish these questions off yeah. in another episode in a, in a week or two whenever the guys have got some free time yeah. and then after that i've been speaking today with spencer from modex soft electrical om he's going to come back and run through one of the designs we've done using their software and set out the conclusions that that comes to alongside our old school That'd paper methods that you guys That's have brilliant. worked so well uh, set out. So yeah. I think that can show the two different ways yeah. of approaching it. If you want to join in on that, you're more than welcome. You yeah, to definitely. Jump in with Spencer as well. Definitely. And uh, yeah, if anyone's got any questions around all this, drop them in on the comments below. I'll keep an eye on the thread through the course of the next week or two. And as I say, when Richard and David are ready, we'll come back and finish these off. For those of you who are a bit more advanced in your experience and you were wanting to run through these a little bit quicker, apologies, but the primary audience are apprentices and trainees at sort of level two and level three. And we're taking our time with it to bring as many people along this design journey with us as possible, hopefully encouraging others to get involved in electrical design because it is very interesting and very important. So thank you both, David and Richard. Is there anything you want to close with before we leave that one there for the night? Uh, no, no, just uh, yeah, just enjoy it. Have a go. Yeah, that's, and, that's, uh, what you got, that's what you got to do. And as I said, I, I didn't consider a couple of things uh, myself. So, you know, it, every day is a school day, isn't it? And yeah. we'll, we'll progressively work our way through. But don't forget, we're applying the same step-by-step -step process that we've applied in the last few podcasts. But this one is a bit more special. Uh, and there's obviously more to it as we move forward. But no, it's, it's been great. And there these is, more and advanced ones, don't worry too much, because I know Dave tone this a, one down. Lee's so dropped a closing it. comment in the live chat around that he's struggling with the R1, R2 and the SWA as a CPC. So he's looking forward to it's us yeah. explaining yeah. that one. Yeah, um, I think that's going to be the crux of this whole design example, to be fair. Yeah, it's not it's not as bad as you think. Obviously, we know no. we can't use the on-site guide because it doesn't give us a value for the for the armoured. But if, if he has a look in the in the data sheet for the cable from Dracker Cables. He'll, he'll, find what he's, he'll find what he's looking for, but yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go through it in the next one. Yeah, But again, Top it's tip. new because we haven't considered it in previous podcasts. So again, we're introducing something a bit like where you've got an, a vault drop already. We haven't considered that. So we're trying to add bits in as we go in along and it will get worse because Dave has toned this one down quite a bit. So the more advanced ones, don't worry, Dave's always got something <laughs> ready for you. <laughs> But it's, it's good. It's been great. I really enjoyed it. That's brilliant. Thanks again, guys, for taking the time. Brilliant. Thank you to the people who've joined in with the live chat tonight. Massively appreciate it. Hope you've enjoyed it as well. For those of you listening and watching later, don't forget to get involved in the comments. And we'll see you on the next one. Cheers, guys. Yeah. See you soon.